0: Or we, we should have it up on the screen here shortly. I, wanna, uh, I told you at the time that uh, I was going to share half of it and then come back later in the uh, next opportunity to share the rest of it. And this morning, I to sh- I've titled the message this morning called Mythbusters. And uh, uh, I love the show on the Discovery Channel. I think it's Discovery Channel. Called the MythBusters, and uh, and so we want to talk about the statement that Jesus makes, this amazing, incredible statement that Jesus makes here in this passage, and we want to because it really goes across grain to our society and culture of today. And uh, Jesus said many things that kind of go well. That's different. You know, he Jesus says, "Lose your life, and you'll save it." He said, "The first will be last." He says, "It's better to give than to receive." Now, in parts of our culture and society, we wouldn't. We go, that's, "That's that can't be right," but Jesus said that it is. He said, "The meek will inherit the earth." He said, "Rejoice in persecution when it happens. Pray for your enemies." So he says all these things, and here. He, he, he shares a number of amazing things, and uh, we just want to take this morning, the time that we have, and we want, to, we want to bust three myths that are found in our society today that really that hits at the, at the center of what Jesus says here. John chapter 14, verse th- 1 through 6, we know that it's, this is taking place right after the Lord's Supper. Jesus has shared with everyone what is going to happen that he is going to be he is going to be persecuted he is going to be beaten he is going to be put upon the cross he's going to die not only that but members of his group his disciples one would betray him uh all would deny him the picture was not looking good <laughs> okay this is the king this is their answer this is the one that they feel in their minds has come and will eventually overthrow the Romans and bring his kingdom on earth. But how many know that Jesus brings his kingdom in a different way? It is powerful. It is forceful because it breaks the chains as we were singing this morning. It breaks the chains that are in our life, but it's different than what you ever imagined what it could be. I want to really thank our worship team this morning ministering it was so amazing i don't know where seth there you are buddy <laughs> seth and and uh where is um gabe is it gabe yeah he's there he is hey buddy awesome awesome i don't know about you but i i just this morning as, as you were ministering and i just no i could tell that it was god was touching something in your heart seth this morning just and uh just the, the goodness of God. Oh, my gosh. The goodness of our dad, of our father, was amazing. You know, as we sang the things of our chains being broken. Because many of us sit here this morning and we have testimonies of how God broke the chains in our life. Brought us out of a place of poverty and destruction and death, darkness. And it brought us into a place of light. And brought us into a place of reconciliation. And brought us into a place of restoration and freedom that we had never known before. Never knew existed for us. But it's what, what Jesus says here that He qualifies and says that what He is about to do, this is why He's doing it. And He proclaims in John chapter 14 verse 1, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. What Jesus is, I believe He's talking about. I mean, you know, could there be be buildings in heaven? Well, it could be anything in heaven. Of course. But I believe that God says there is a place of habitation for you with my Father in heaven. Not a place of visitation, but a place of habitation in His presence. And Jesus says, I'm going to take care of this for you. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And he does that in John chapter 20. We read the passage there of what he does when he comes back and he breathes upon his disciples. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And they, they receive that born-again experience at that point. And it begins from that point on. He says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will make you, there you may also be. Or something like that. And where I go, <laughs> you know, we just, we'll flip the words around a little bit here. Where I, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, I love Thomas. Uh, I, I love this man. You know, uh, I think Cindy was telling me that. You know, we, we we see Thomas as the one that uh, doubted Jesus, and we he gets tagged with that man. How you, how how would you like to have your name in the Bible, and you get tagged with something as the unbelieving one? But you know, I believe that Thomas just he wanted to know, he was hungry to know, and as uh, there was no other disciple that Jesus said, "Come here, Thomas." Put your hand, put your finger in the hole here. He, there was not another one that Jesus said, but Thomas. Thomas wanted to know Jesus more than anything else. And Jesus didn't hold back from Thomas, didn't accuse Thomas, didn't say, well, if you just had faith, son, you sat on the outside here. Everybody else come on in. But he didn't do that, did he? Because we are all doubting Thomas's, aren't we? We all struggle. We hear the word of God, but yet when things come in our life and hit in our life, we wonder what well, could it really be for me this time. And, and and what Jesus does? What does He do? He brings open invitation to you. And me, come closer. See, don't let anything, don't let any doubt being inside of you. Know who I am. Know what I can do in your life. And he, there's an invitation for every one of us. So if you're here this morning and you've got something over you and you feel like you have failed and you've come up short and you feel like that in some way that you, you've been that doubting Thomas, God, God is saying there's an open invitation for you. Come close. Come close so that you won't doubt. So that I'm going to reveal myself to you. How wonderful that is. How amazing that is that Jesus... Doesn't accuse, doesn't find fault, but he just loves. He just loves. <laughs> how, how amazing is that? Oh, I don't ever have to fear. I'm going to be, I'm going to be whacked over my head because of my mistakes. But he says, "Come close, that you can have forgiveness because it's yours." Come close. That you can, I I could take the shame off your life, Doug. Come close that you might know me. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place that you might know my Father. And that way, that way that I've got to go is through the cross. But I'm going to prepare a place and I'm going to be returning and. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and we, and how can we know the way? And Jesus answers the second question because he already answered the first question to Thomas. He tells him exactly where he's going. He's going to his Father. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That, that one passage. Shakes me to my core. That Jesus says, I'm the way. Man, I tell you, I was lost. I, I couldn't even, I was sitting in such darkness, I couldn't even see the way. Didn't know there was a way. Tried every other path that I knew of. And Jesus said, I'm the way. Clears it up. Because I was so lost, so lost. Jesus says I'm the truth that you will never ever have to build your life upon a lie. We build our lives upon the lie, the opinions of others, and the lies of the enemy many times. And Jesus says that I am the truth, that you may build your life upon that truth. And that truth will set you free. And Jesus makes it clear that, that there is no other way. He is the only way to the Father. While that cuts across the grain of our society, of our pluralistic society that says that truth is relative, and it cuts right across the grain, but I will tell you it is the most compassionate, most loving statement that Jesus has ever made. I believe. This is just as loving as Jesus says that the enemy comes to still kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we read that and that brings comfort to us. We read this and we go, hmm. But it is just as loving, full of compassion that Jesus says, listen, why search, why look? I am the way that I will bring you where you need to go. Now, there are three myths in culture and society today that, that, that comes against this statement that Jesus makes. And these are the myths that all religions are basically the same. They're all in the same basket. So when Jesus says that I am the way and no one else can come to the Father by me, is that a bit narrow-minded? And is that a bit arrogant, unloving, snobbish, whatever you want to call it? Because culture would say, society would say out there, well, you've got to be tolerant. Now, the Bible tells that we are to be loving and we are to value other people. But the Bible says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it says that there are many ways, all in one basket. That's one myth. Second myth is that although Christianity may be different in some aspects, it is just one philosophy among many. All religions have this, have an equal claim upon truth. Basically saying that, well, what you're saying is your truth, and I can respect you for that. But what I'm saying is my truth. And it's uniquely different. And so, who really knows? Well, Jesus, that would be wonderful if that's what Jesus said. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? He says, I am the truth. There is no other truth that's really truth apart from what Jesus claims, what Jesus says. And then the third myth is this, that because of what we believe, in what we adhere to, what we embrace as Christians, that we have become narrow-minded. We have become unloving, arrogant, that we claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So we're going to take each one of these briefly this morning and we're going to bust them, okay? Now, I am not the most, the wisest apologetic person. There are People, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, Robbie Zacharias, are amazing. They have written amazing books. I encourage you to read their books if, if this is something that interests you is, is in apologetics. But I do want to share with you some very simple things this morning. Because whether this is settled in your mind today, I want to tell you that you meet people every day that it's not settled in their minds. And they believe these myths. They believe these things that they feel like, well, surely that's truth, when it's not truth at all. It is men's opinion, men's thought, men's reasoning, but it's not truth. Like I said, Mythbuster 1 here, that they're saying that there are many ways, many paths. God is at the top of the mountain. There's many paths that can get you up there. You know? So basically, all religions are basically the same, the same basket. The thing about it is that Jesus shows and proves that Christianity is uniquely different from every other religion that's out there. Uniquely different. The uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Jesus Christ himself. Leaders of other religions will say, follow me and I'll show you how to find truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Leaders of other religions will say, follow me and I'll show you the way to salvation. And Jesus said what? That I am the way to eternal life. Other religious leaders will say, follow me and I'll show you how to become enlightened. Jesus says that I am the light of the world. And other leaders of religions may say, follow me and I'll show you the doors that lead to God. And Jesus made it clear when He says, I I am the door. As you begin to study and look into other religions, you'll find that most religions center about what we need to do, what we have to do to reach God. What we have to do to reach a place of perfection, a place of acceptance. A place of that you'll be loved or whatever. A place of eternal bliss, nirvana, heaven, whatever it may be called. And Christianity is the only one that says that it is impossible in your own efforts to do it. It is the only one that says that there is a God that that doesn't require you to reach up, but He reaches down. There is a God that is seeking you before you're even seeking Him. And it's not based about your, your works. There's a, there's a big sign over religions of D O, do, whatever that it is. Over Christianity is D O N E, done. It has been done for you. It is not based upon your effort not based upon your perfection, not based upon all the things that you need to do, you need to pray, eat certain foods, or whatever it might be, but it is done because of what Jesus has done for us. No other religion says that and brings it to that place. It's all about your... About, as other religions, all about your doing your effort to have God's favor. It may be in Buddhism following the eightfold plan of enlightenment. That that as you follow this plan, that you will one day achieve to a place of perfect nothingness, they said. Now, what does that mean? That that you will your life, the sum total of your life is nothing? That one day as you as you prove yourself and you go through these all these steps. The eightfold plan of enlightenment. You will come finally to a place that you are so enlightened that you will just vanish. You, you become nothing. Okay. In Hinduism, they talk about it as a series of re- reincarnations that will finally bring you to a place of nirvana. And depending on, upon how you live your life here, means that, will you go up or down? And, uh, you know, will you return as a frog? You know, will you return a higher species? (laughs) You know, if you were born in poverty, maybe if you live well, you'll return to a a greater economic status. Or if you mess up, you know, (laughs) it's frog status. (laughs) Okay. But it's, it's following, it's following these things. And Islam is following the five pillars of Islam. It's, it, it's, it's always something that you have to do. It's always man's att- attempt to reach God instead of recognizing that Christ is reaching out to us every day. Jesus taught us, that's why he says, that I am the way. Because he says that you cannot work your way. You cannot earn your way. The fact is that we all have done wrong. We're all wrongdoers. And it's that thing, that sin, wrongdoing, that keeps us separated from God. And Jesus and God says that there's there's one perfect sacrifice that can take care of this, but you can't do it. This one perfect sacrifice that must be made for the penalty of your wrongdoing, but you can't do it. You can't measure up. You can never do it. But there is one person that could be that. Jesus came and became that for us. He became the payment of our wrongdoing. There was a story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son. And this is just a thing of comparison that you can see in looking at this when Jesus said that, that I am the way. There is no other way. Every other way is subject to failure. Because the only way and the only way that you can go is that there must be there must be a payment, there must be a sacrifice, there must be a something that's met for your wrongdoing. Because all religions will say, Yes, we all we all have sinned. There, there's agreement on that. But the agreement but the, the disagreement is how you come out of that. And other religions will say it's by your good works and your doing and your if you've done enough. When you're reincarnated, reincarnated, maybe you'll you'll pass the frog this time. Whatever. But there's a story that is shared both in Christianity and Buddhism. And it's the story of the rebellious son. That leaves his father. It's amazing. The story is very similar. Sword both of the son is rebellious. He leaves his father and takes his money and wastes it. Both sons come to the place of I've done wrong. And both sons return to their home. Now this is where the stories completely become different. In Buddhism, the son, his penalty of his sin, his wrongdoing, is that he is subject to servitude for many, many years to work off his sin. And in the story that Jesus frames and Luke chapter 15 is quite different from that. Aren't you glad? It's quite different from that. So when the son returned with the thought that maybe I will just be a slave, a servant, that what, is, what does his father do? He engages him with this amazing love, forgiveness, brings him back to a complete restoration, throws a party, celebrates, His father does everything to reinstate his son. His son has to do nothing, other than being a son. That's it. Completely different. Completely different approach when you look at it between these two religions: Christianity and Buddhism. There's other religions that can offer wise sayings, helpful insight, but there is only one who has ever offered up his life, only one throughout history, who has ever offered up his life for mankind's sin, and it's Jesus Christ. The only one. Because of what Jesus has done, he is qualified to be the perfect son of the living God. Through Jesus' words, he dispels the myth because Christianity is uniquely different and that He is the way. He is the only way to the Father. Let's look at MythBuster number two when it says, similar, it says Christianity is just one philosophy among many. Each holds some measure of truth. It's what may be relative for you, what may be relative for me, is subject to our own claim. You have your truth. I have my truth. Like I said, this... This philosophy, this myth fits very well in our society today. However, that Jesus makes the claim that he is the only truth. When he claims that he is the only truth, then how do we justify that? What if I stood before you today and I said, I just want to let you know I'm the Messiah, okay? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No other man can come through me. And that's the truth. Honestly, that's what I genuinely believe. You know, I sincerely believe that. And you would say, well, what's the evidence? Well, I, I really don't have any evidence, you know, other than that's what I sincerely believe. Well, you can sincerely believe that, but you have no evidence at all to back it up when it's not truth. It is just something you sincerely believe, and what you sincerely believe is wrong and there are other religions that are sincere they're greatly sincere in what they believe, but Jesus is the only one that can back the claim of what he says. The evidence when you measure the evidence of who Jesus was and what Jesus did, he is the only one that comes back and you say that the evidence that I see here, it has substantiated the statement that Jesus makes that He is the truth. He is the truth. We want to look at a couple of things. A couple of things that, uh, that will back the claims that Jesus made with, that will make Him uniquely credible is this. The historians of that day authenticate the existence of Christ? they authenticate that Christ was a man from Nazareth they authenticate that he does did claim to be the son of god you know Jesus fulfilled countless prophecies if you read through the bible i don't know the exact number i should know but i don't know someone in here that may know that but but countless prophecies he fulfilled every one of them that were written hundreds and thousands of years before he was ever born. And the likelihood of something like that to happen is just almost impossible. That a man would would be born in exactly the place that he was prophesied to be born, in the way that he was born, to who he was born to. And he fulfilled every prophecy along the way through his crucifixion and resurrection. It's amazing. Someone said, a mathematician, I once read this, said this, the likelihood of something like that happening is like a tornado going through a yard of airplane parts. And a tornado going through because of all stirring it all up that would leave a 747 jetliner behind it. Completely put together. I mean, it's, it's just impossible. But yet... This, these things that Jesus did, these things of authenticating these prophecies, only Jesus did it. It only fits Jesus. These prophecies were like a thumbprint. We all know that, that each of us have a unique thumbprint, unlike anybody else. You know, I, 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 could, I, could, I could come to Steve and I say, listen, Steve, we're going to do some things, and you're going you're gonna to say that you're me, okay, because of your thumbprint. But the thing about it is thumbprint doesn't match my thumbprint. My thumbprint is unique to me. And these prophecies were like a thumbprint that only one person could actually ever match this thumbprint. And Jesus did. Jesus did. Unlike other religious leaders, Jesus performed amazing miracles, and he still does still does. Amen. It said that Jesus fulfilled His prophecy about His death and resurrection and was witnessed by over 500 people, which sparked a spiritual revolution unparalleled in history and would cause countless millions of people to follow a man, even to their death. What person would ever follow a man, even to his death, if he knew it was a lie? Doesn't make any sense at all. Jesus just didn't make a claim about himself, but he validated that claim like no one else in history. So because when Jesus said that I am the truth, and this is who I am, the Son of God, and the only way to the Father, he lived a life in such a way that substantiated all of that. No other person in history has ever done that. No other person. So we have to believe that what he said dispels this myth, that there is one truth. Jesus is the owner of this truth. And this last thing here, Myth Buster 3, is that because of what Jesus has said and what we believe, that Christians are narrow-minded, arrogant, and they say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, if we said this, we said, you know, there we believe there are many paths to heaven, many paths to eternal life, but ours is the best, then, yes, you could be called narrow-minded. You could be called arrogant, unloving, because there are many paths, and you're saying your path is the best. But that's not what Jesus said, did He? Jesus says, There is only one path. There is only one way. And Jesus says that I am that way. And he leaves no doubt there. What we're saying today is that there had to be someone to pay our penalty for our wrongdoing in life, our sin that separated us from God. Only one person. It had to be a person. And we believe that Jesus has uniquely qualified himself in what he claimed and who he was and what he did to be our substitute. And because of that, believing that, we believe that yes, he is the way. Yes, he is the truth. Yes, he is the life. And there is no other one but through him, it's not narrow minded. It's not arrogant, it's not sobbish, snobbish, or it's not unloving. We believe based on the evidence of the life of Jesus Christ that we could give our lives to Him and live for Him and He lives within us and our lives are uniquely different in every way. I don't know if some of you know or not, but uh, Uh, This past Thursday or Friday morning, uh, uh, Tyler and Allison had their baby. Yay. And that's really cool. The baby's doing well as far as I I know. Cindy and I have had three children. And I don't know if every one of them were born with jaundice or at least two. I know Sarah was. And Cindy doesn't remember. So um, she is. Blocked that out of her memory that time, you know, and uh, but how many of you know that jaundice is a common thing many times in babies being born it's basically that their their liver is not yet functioning to the capacity that it needs to, and bilirubin gets built up within their skin, body, turns their skin yellow, eyes turn yellow, and left untreated. It could be a serious thing. But how many of you know that there is a, there is a very simple treatment for, for jaundice? That if you put the baby under a certain light, certain type of light, it, it, it activates something within the liver, and it begins to function the way it needs to, and the bilirubin begins to leave the body. Is that right? I got that right? Okay. Okay. Thank God I majored in biology and chemistry. Okay. I knew it would prove itself one day. All right. What if that I what if Cindy and I have a baby again? Oh Jesus help us. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And what if what if this baby is born with jaundice and the doctor says, Listen, don't worry about it. There 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 is a there is a, a way to take care of this. There is a way to take care of this. And it's very simple. This is what we we should do. And we say, well, you know, that that's one way to look at it. What if we take our baby and we just scrub him down really good with soap? We dip him in bleach. We, we think that will take care of the, the yellow in the skin. And the doctor says, what? What are you talking about? And, 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 and we say, well, we, we feel like your approach is a bit narrow-minded, you know, and uh, we just feel like that if we can, if we can just do this to the baby; it will take care uh, uh, of the problems with the baby. And, and the doctor would just say, "No, no, no. There's really only one way to handle this. Only one way." And he says, "Well, um, what, what, what if we, what if we just ignore it? What if we just ignore the, the the condition, and it's going to be okay anyway? It'll be okay." Doctor said, "You can't ignore it." You, 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 you're, you're, you may jeopardize the life of your child here if you ignore it. He says, I know it sounds so easy to you, and I know you may be a bit hesitant because it's, it's just an easy thing to do. He says, But if you look behind me, I, 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 I graduated from medical school, see all the credentials on my wall. I graduated, I, 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 and it proves that I am a doctor, and I've got proof of how I have help, helped. Hundreds and hundreds of other babies and, 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 and brought these, these babies out of, out of that. If you just trust me, if you'll just trust me that what I'm saying is true, then we, we can really help your baby. Now, how many of you would say that it would be, be very narrow-minded of us to trust this doctor? That's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? It's not narrow-minded at all. We have come to the estimation of what He has said, and His credentials, and what He has done to say we can trust Him. We can believe Him. And Just as in life, when Jesus says that I am the only way, and I'm the only truth, and I'm the only life, and many many of us say, well, you know, I think I have another idea of how I, can, how I can deal with this sin in my life and how I can, I can do all these things and take care of this sin in my life. Or, you know, I know that's your opinion, that's your truth, but I have my truth also. Or maybe if I just ignore it, I'll get there anyway somehow. None of that makes sense, does it? None of that makes sense. Us trusting upon Jesus Christ is not narrow-minded. It's not arrogant. It's not snobbish or unloving in any way. We're saying that this man that, we, that has come and has died for me and shed his blood for me and has, has provided a way that my sin could be taken care of and, and, and my condition that I'm in is, is easily treatable because he is the best doctor in the world. He is the finest physician in the world. And he has healed many others before me. And he has taken care of this condition of sin. And he could do it in my life also. It's not narrow-minded or arrogant at all. What if there were two country clubs in this city? One country club said, in order for you to have membership. In our country club, you have to do all these things. you know you have to meet all these credentials you have to make so much money, you have to you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to have had this prior experience and all whatever and, and if you can 't do any of those things, if you don 't measure up to those things, then you 'll never have a membership in our club but let 's say there's a number another club out there and they say, listen, it's open for all. Your membership has already been paid. You don't have to owe anything. You don't have to do anything. That membership has been paid by a man named Jesus Christ. And he paid for your membership, so it doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. It doesn't matter what your background. It doesn't matter anything. This membership is always open for you. Now, you could choose to not receive it right now, but it will always be open for you. Now, which of these clubs do you feel like would be more narrow-minded? The one that say, listen, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And that's what most religions do. These are all the things you have to do. Where Christianity is the only one that says, listen, it's open for all. The membership fees have all been paid. There's no dues. It's all been done by one man. He has taken care of it all for you. That you can membership within this place. And it is open for all and will always be open for all in your life. I choose number two. I choose number two. As we finish this morning, I want to Share one more thing with you. There are many that say, I understand about Christ. I understand what he has said. I believe in what he has said. You know, they say that over 84% of Americans believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Just that eighty four percent hasn't acted upon that. It's not what you know, it's but it's what you've acted upon. For most of my life I knew who Jesus was. I knew his claims, but I never acted upon it until that date on july 16, seventy two. But at the age of 18, I finally acted upon it. You may be here today. And when Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one else comes to the Father but by me, it is true. It is the truth. And he offers this claim, he offers this statement, not just for informational purposes, but he offers it in such a way that you can act upon it. I could read book after book after book about nourishment and about food and about eating all the right kinds of food and and, uh, what not to eat and how often I should eat, and I could have all sorts of knowledge. But if I never ate... not going to help me. If I never acted upon it, it's not going to help me, is it? If you have never acted upon it, you need to today. I, I know we could have person after person stand up today. And tell you the amazing things that Christ has done in their life. I love Marty. I love this man. You know anything about Marty? Is that Marty was on his own path for a long time. That path brought him to a place of really pretty much nothing. But he acted upon the truth one day. And I love Marty because whenever he starts talking about what Jesus has done in his life, he just gets overcome with emotion like he is right now. He just starts crying because of the gratefulness of his heart. Amen. The enjoyment of what he has now in Christ. All because there came a point in time that he had the knowledge, but he acted upon the knowledge. And Marty, I love you. Maybe you were like Marty this morning. it's all just been words all just been something in your mind knowledge history or whatever and Jesus coming to you today and once again he is saying that I am the way the truth and the life and if you want to come to the father it's only through me but if you act upon it today there'll begin a relationship with you that you have with the father Be like nothing else. It's what the Father God has desired from the the beginning of time for you to have. If we could, let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, that Jesus has proved everything. He has nothing else to prove. He has proved everything about who He is and. What he's done and what he claims and what he has given and provided for each and every person in this place. And, Father, I pray today, God, as we have come together and after a time of thanksgiving, that, Father, that we can leave this place today thankful because of the relationship that we have with you. And that is something that you have never experienced in life. And you have never acted upon that. I want to pray with you right now. I want you to pray with me and repeat a prayer with me that it can be settled. Settled. Every question you have in your mind can be settled once and for all. If you're here today and you have never acted upon the knowledge that you have, and you have never taken that step of repentance, a step of expressing your need for Christ, and that step of receiving Christ into your life, and you desire to do that right now, I'd ask you if you just put your hand up real high and let me pray with you right now. Is there anyone in this room that you have never prayed a prayer like that? You have never acted upon something like that before? And you desire to today? Well, Father, I thank You, Lord God, we're here as sons and daughters of the living God and we do Father we express our thanksgiving and our gratitude for what you have done in our lives and you have brought us out of a place of being lost into a well defined path with you that God that you have prepared a place of habitation with the Father in the spirit that we can we can be with him all the days of our life eternally we can be with him so we give you praise this morning and we give you thanksgiving this morning god for your goodness amen i would like to ask our prayer team to come forward if you would if you have a prayer need today